Love a good fright? Stream your fears with Shudder. From the legendary monsters that fuel your nightmares to under-the-radar haunts and acclaimed exclusives like Creepshow and Slasher, Flesh and Blood, experience what Polygon calls a horror movie paradise and what RogerEbert.com says is one of the best streaming services in the world. Stacked with chilling content, all curated by the industry's top horror experts, Shudder's library of frightening films and eerie series covers the horror spectrum, meaning there's something for every type of horror, thriller, and supernatural fan. Available ad-free and on the platforms you're already on. Sign up today at Shudder.com. Shudder, so good, it's scary. There's a reason podcasts are popping up everywhere. Podcasts can make you money. And Spreaker is the easiest way to start a podcast. You could literally record your first episode today. Spreaker has all the tools you need to record, edit, publish, and yeah, monetize your podcast all in one place. And it's free. So tell your story and make money while doing it. Start your podcast for free now at Spreaker.com slash make money. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com slash make money from the iHeart Podcast Network. The Real-Time Crime Podcast is for true fans of true crime. Join Leah Lamar and Teddy Mellencamp for an iHeartRadio original podcast dedicated to armchair detectives. Embark on a quest to unravel unsolved mysteries and delve into current criminal trials in real time. Why do I obsess over true crime? It's because I need to know every detail because they say that the devil's in the details. Listen to Real-Time Crime on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What one technological advancement do you wish had never been invented? Cell phones. In 2007, Mytrice Richardson participated in the Miss Fullerton beauty pageant. That's Fullerton, California, just south of Los Angeles. Although when you're stranded, they help contact your family and the need of a spare tire or just any need of emergency, but they also cause a lot of accidents and they cause a lot of friendships from forming because as soon as people get out of class, the first thing they want to do is talk on their cell phones. So I just wish that cell phones would be limited to just emergencies only. She's wearing a dazzling beige ball gown and glides across the stage to Frank Sinatra's The Way You Look Tonight. She's funny, beautiful, and has an electric smile. Two years later, her family released this pageant video to show the public what Mytrice looks like, how she talks, how she walks, because Mytrice is missing. Desperate for answers, friends and family had begun to retrace Mytrice's steps. I'm Katherine Townsend, and this is Hell and Gone. It's 5.35 a.m. on September 17, 2009. Mitrice's mother, Latisse, is terrified. She called the Lost Hills Sheriff's Station at around 4.30 a.m. to ask about Mitrice's bail and to make arrangements to pick up her daughter, only for the jailer to tell her that Mitrice had been released hours earlier. Lost Hills Station, Baumgartner. So Latisse called back, 
and was connected to another officer. Yes, hi, my name is Latisse, and I called not too long ago regarding my daughter, Maitrice Richardson. Latisse is telling him that her daughter was 40 miles from home and depressed and had no way home and no knowledge of the area. She doesn't know the area. She's never been in your area before. Where, where, do you, where does she live? She is unfamiliar with that area. Do you she think she possibly could have gotten a bus home? No. And oh, listen, my child has never ridden a bus. Okay. No, right. she would not know how to ride a bus. <laughs> I would probably wait till, you know, early this morning, and if she doesn't turn up, you can certainly call. I don't suspect anything um, bad happened. The officer she was on the phone with said she should wait a few hours before filing a missing persons report. We heard part of that phone call at the end of the last episode, but the rest of it is even more heartbreaking. I'm concerned because, uh, well, first of all, I thought they were going to keep her overnight because she was highly intoxicated. Mm-hmm. Um, something, so, so, something is obviously going on with her. Have you She's talked to the jailer? And Yes. Yes, 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 I have. He said he tried to get her to stay, but because she was an adult, they had to let her go. I, I believe that she is highly depressed, um, and she, she, she's in a depressive state. You know, it could be possible that maybe she... I mean, there's a lot of options and I, a lot of possibilities, and I don't think all of them would be, um, you know, something dire. But I can certainly understand your fears, you know, being your daughter and all that. Well, um, I think she's depressed. That's what has me is more that what, That's worried that. you more than just her, okay. That and the fact that she's in an area where she doesn't know where she's at. Yeah, does so. she take medication at all? No, she. I, I believe it's a state that she's in right now because of just the, the weird activity that's been going on. What, what's her name? Day. What's her, her name? name is, her name is Maitrice okay. Richardson. Latisse is growing more and more alarmed that the police don't seem to be doing more. Her daughter had been out of jail for hours and no one had heard from her. Why didn't they seem to care? By Friday morning, she was getting desperate. That's when Latisse called Dr. Rhonda Hampton. So she went missing, you know, technically at 12.28 on Thursday. And her mom called me on Friday. And you know, she was just asking me if my treats had... Um, contacted me or if she had came by the office or something like that. And, and then she kind of explained to me what was going on. Rhonda and Latisse had gone through Mitrice's social media, and what they found was disturbing. Rhonda called the police and insisted that the situation was urgent. Latisse and Rhonda re-emphasized to the police that they believed Mitrice may be experiencing some sort of mental health issue. They couldn't wait any longer. They needed to look for Mitrice now. Did they start searching right away, or how long did it take them to start searching? So what happened was, and they claim that they searched that same day, although none of the neighbors recall that happening at all. So I, when I, when I talked to the, it was LAPD had the case at this time. When I talked to the LAPD, they weren't planning on doing a search. Basically, she told me that we needed to have some compelling information to secure the funds to do a search. So, you know, I went back and forth with the detective from LAPD 
And then eventually, I guess I was able to give her enough information that she said that, okay, fine, they finally agreed to do a search. And that would have been on Saturday. And I think it was that Friday that we learned about the Montanito phone call. The night Maitrice went missing, the Lost Hills Sheriff's Department got another call from a retired KATV Los Angeles local news reporter named Bill Smith. Hello, Sheriff Station Office, can I help you? Yeah, hi. Hey, uh, this is uh, uh, Smith at Cold Canyon. We had a prowler walking around through the backyard here, but we don't know what the situation was. I don't know if you had a unit in the area. It might do a little drive-by or something. Bill said that he had seen someone on his property in the early morning hours of September 17th, an African-American woman matching Mitrice's description. Love a good fright? Start streaming and screaming with Shudder. From the legendary monsters that fuel your nightmares to under-the-radar haunts and critically acclaimed exclusives, discover what Polygon calls a horror movie paradise and what RogerEbert.com says is one of the best streaming services in the world. Stacked with chilling content, all curated by the industry's top horror experts, Shudder's library of frightening films and eerie series cover the entire horror spectrum meaning there's something for every type of fan. Come experience highly anticipated new releases like Superhost, Seance starring Suki Waterhouse, and the Boulay Brothers' Dracula. Plus, don't miss out on Creepshow, Slasher, Flesh and Blood, and other must-see Shutter exclusives you won't find anywhere else. Available ad-free and on the platforms you're already on. Sign up today at Shudder.com. Shudder, so good it's scary. This episode is sponsored by Maidenhome. High-quality, handcrafted furniture for the modern home. Maiden Home brings you thoughtfully designed custom furniture, handcrafted in North Carolina. This region is home to some of the world's most talented artisans who are experts in woodworking, upholstery, and finishing. By partnering directly with these family-owned workrooms, Maiden Home gives you access to the world's finest craftsmanship without the retail markup. From sofas and sectionals to tables and beds, you'll find beautiful heirloom-quality pieces that will last for years. And with over 60 fabrics and leathers and a variety of wood finishes to choose from, you can create a piece custom to your design style. Enjoy complimentary white glove delivery on all orders, a lifetime warranty, and easy returns within 30 days. To browse the latest collection and order free swatches, visit MadeInHome.com. That's M-A-I-D-E-N-H-O-M-E.com to start building your custom piece today. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a soap opera star. Gracious me, my car has storm damage and I've had to file a claim. Could it possibly get worse? Will my claims team leave me for someone else? Someone less intense? Um, no. Actually, when you file a claim with GEICO, you get your own dedicated claims team who promises to stay with you throughout the process. Oh, I've never known such loyalty. I can't wait for the second season. Geico. Great service without all the drama. We talked about this in the last episode. If you don't live in the L.A. area, you might think of it and the surrounding areas as a sprawling city. Or Malibu as a star-studded beachfront crowded with surfers. But up in the mountains, it's a different story. It would have been absolutely deserted at night, and a young woman walking alone would have stood out. And it goes from neighborhood to woods in the blink of an eye. You're absolutely correct, because I remember when I was still living up in Seattle, I was re- and I was thinking about moving to L.A., 
I read about somebody just in a, a line of, I think it was out, outside magazine, somebody said, the mountains of Los Angeles. And I went, what? There's no mountains in Los Angeles. Come on. And it's what you're talking about is absolutely true. And unless you're here, you don't realize that there is a mountain range. Brian Rooney literally wrote the book about Malibu Creek State Park because it's home to a biologically diverse landscape that made it ripe for the movies. Paramount and 20th Century Fox used the landscape, which included Malibu Creek State Park, to shoot dozens of movies and TV shows, including the TV series MASH. But for park visitors, it's also dangerous. Malibu Search and Rescue are busy year-round, rescuing hikers from around the park. Uh, hazards for sure, like you mentioned, rattlesnakes, uh, for sure. It's, it's remarkable how many people come to the very popular Malibu Creek State Park and do not have a map with them and have no idea where they're going. They just arrive. It is so close to the city that people come out underprepared and they don't think about the dangers of that they're going into a backcountry area uh, where there is, you know, bad cell service, no running water, basically, uh, very few bathrooms, all that type of stuff. And they come out underprepared and they don't understand that that this is not a shopping mall. And dangers, um, if you're talking natural dangers, of course, you know, like I said, getting lost, uh, getting hurt, falling down a canyon, uh, falling down a, 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 off a ridgeline or something like that. Obviously, the animals are here. Um, it might help, too, that uh, one of the most interesting things about these mountains is because there is Pacific Coast Highway on one side and the 101 Freeway on the other side, if you're ever actually lost, all you have to do is walk downhill and you will hit one of those major arteries. So, um, so as long as you're walking downhill, you'll hit civilization. But if you're walking across and not going downhill, then you can be in trouble because you could go on. It's a 50-mile long range, and you could theoretically walk for a long way and not hit anything. Monte Nido is a neighborhood that's about six miles from the Lost Hills Sheriff's Station. It backs onto the Santa Monica Mountains. It's quiet up there. There are horse trails and private hiking trails that cut through the back of several residential properties and lead up into the mountains. Bill Smith was a retired TV reporter in 2009. When he called the police that night, he said that he spotted a prowler sitting on his back porch. I don't know if you have a unit in the area. It might do a little drive-by or something. Okay, where is this at? This is Cold Canyon. And we just had a strange woman walking through the backyard here. It's a fairly large property, and she was sitting on the steps right, right on the back of the house here. This is kind of a circular driveway, and the gates were closed, so we don't know where this woman came from. There's a, a horse trail, act, hiking trail access through here, but we've never had this kind of happen, thing happen before. What she look like, white, black, Hispanic? Uh, you know, a tall, slim, black woman with Afro hair. About how tall? Uh, well, she was sitting down, stretched out on the wooden steps in the back of the house, hard to tell. But she looked like she might have been medium to slightly tall, uh, with a big Afro hair, very skinny. And I think she was wearing maybe jeans or tight pants with a T-shirt. You never, you've never seen her there before? No, never. Nobody ever does that. I mean, the, the people hike on the trail all the time. We, you know, the trail goes through our property, but we leave it open on purpose because it's kind of a nice thing for horses and people. And you said she's laying across the. She was laying across the steps, or but she was sitting, kind of sprawled out on the on these wooden steps in the back of the house, right against the back of the house. She's yeah. since got up and left. Uh, she's since gone. Yeah, she's been gone about five minutes now. But as we thought it over, we thought maybe a little drive-by wouldn't be a bad idea. And what direction was she? Did she last seen headed? Never saw her. She once she left, she just dis disappeared. Uh, we I moved from one window to another. 
I said to her, I, I hollered down, are you all right? And she said, I'm just resting or something like that. Uh, but uh, she's certainly gone out of her way to get to that close to the house because the hiking trail is not that close. It's on the ridge. All right. Well, since we haven't checked the area for Appreciate that very much. Not a problem, sir. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Here, the timeline gets a little fuzzy. We asked for the audio of the phone calls and the call logs from the LASD, but we're told that call logs are usually destroyed after two years. Lost Hill sheriffs say they got the call at 6.30 a.m., but Bill Smith keeps saying it's dark and he can't see the woman clearly. But according to records, the sun rose over the Santa Monica Mountains at 6.40 a.m. on Thursday, September 17, 2009. So it was already getting light out. But if she was in a manic state, because she had walked all the way from Lost Hills to Bill Smith's home, I mean, rare, but it's possible. But it's just all mighty strange. This is Tashaka Starwell. He works at REACT LA. REACT is a volunteer organization that acts as a liaison between families and police and also helps organize searches and missing persons cases for families. Tashaka says the same thing that the family was feeling. They didn't understand how Maitrese could have walked the six miles from the Lost Hills Sheriff's Station to Monte Nito in the pitch black without even a cell phone light to illuminate the way. Because if it was six, you would get at least a blue skylight there. So I thought it was in the wee hours. There's no way that she walks. She could even walk and get there in two hours. I, I, I just don't see mm-hmm. that. There's no way. Can't drive from the freeway and get to Bill Smith's house without a map. And there are, yeah. there are a lot of other places between Lost Hills, the station, and Bill Smith's home. Uh, there's an equestrian yard. There's a, a state park off to the side around that road. And, I mean, I just told him when we get down, down in there, of course, there's a gas station and other things right there in the middle area. How did she just skip all of that? It is possible to walk to Monte Nito from the Lost Hills Sheriff's Department. But how she got to Monte Nito and why have become central questions of the investigation. I drove up to the station to try to piece together the route. Okay, um, so as you can see, look how the road is already. Imagine trying to walk down this at night. There's no side, there's no, there's no shoulder. The Lost Hills Sheriff's Station is about a 15 minute drive from Joffrey's, the restaurant where the police exactly. picked up my trees. But in the tunnel, there's not even like one of those little walkway things. So like literally, if you're going through that tunnel and there's a car, it's gonna hit you. And this right here, you would just never imagine three minutes ago. The drive from Joffrey's to the station is treacherous. There are tons of hairpin turns, no shoulder and no sidewalk. The road is surrounded by mountains. One side of the road has a guardrail before a long fall into a canyon. Quarter mile, turn left onto Agora Road. You drive through a tunnel and there's no pedestrian shoulder. So anyone trying to walk through could not make it through that tunnel with any traffic, especially at night when it's dark. So it should be right up here. Yeah, I kind of recognize, I mean, I think I recognize this. Let's see. Turn left, then you'll arrive at your destination. It's over here. Oh, it's on the right, isn't it? No, it's right, it's on the left. Here it is. It's right here. The Lost Hill Sheriff Station is situated between a few neighborhoods that are gated with brick walls and large commercial and industrial buildings that are closed at night. Well, there are no open businesses around. We can't go in, I don't think. And no public transportation. The last buses would have stopped running hours before my trees was released. You've arrived. Yeah. All right, so here it is. 
There's the front door. I'm just going to drive around to the, so we see if there's a side door. Maitrese was released at 12.15 a.m. and left the building at 12.38. Sharon Cummings, the jailer on duty that night, said she'd offered Maitrese the chance to use the phone, but Maitrese turned the offer down. Cummings also said she told Maitrese that she could wait into the lobby until someone came and got her. So, yeah, this is it. And when she left here, she went back that way. Maitrese left through the side door of the station. She had two options. Go back down the winding path toward Joffrey's and the Pacific Coast Highway, or she could go the other way, the way that had a sidewalk, at least for a few miles along Las Virginis Road, which turns into Malibu Canyon Road. If I was trying to get back to the beach, I would have gone this way, honestly. This is where it gets treacherous. But again, it's very misleading. You feel like you're going down toward the beach. Monte Nito is like the first, like once you get out and you realize you're in the middle of nowhere, it's like the next neighborhood along. Bill Smith's house in Monte Nito is right off Malibu Canyon Road, but the neighborhood is nestled between hiking trails and rugged wilderness. So it's odd that she would have walked there in the pitch blackness. So that's, that's Bill, that was Bill Smith's. And then from there, it's really confusing around here. Like Her family started to wonder, could Maitrese have been driven to Monte Nito? Number one, I don't buy for one minute that she walked. But let me just go with that. I'll, let's just, I'll go with it. If she did walk, it would make sense to me that she would make a right-hand turn. Okay, fine. Got to walk one direction. Okay, that makes sense. It wouldn't even make sense to me that she would stay on the main road, you know, because at least it's paved. Right. And it also would make sense to me that she would make a right, because when you go down, nothing's open. The Albertsons is closed. Everything is closed yeah. at that time. Okay, so she'll make a right. Well, if she was if she if if she was the person who was seen at six thirty in the morning, then there was light, right? So there was some there had to be some light. Well, if so, number one, we think she was there closer to four thirty in the morning. Okay, but um, but even or five thirty, but they, they keep we're not really sure on the time. But neighbors were hearing her well before six thirty in the morning. On Saturday, September nineteenth, police began their search for my trees. When investigators looked outside Bill Smith's house, they found tracks that they believed came from Mitrice's sneakers. According to Los Angeles Magazine, the sneaker prints were found out front. They followed the prints, but lost them before they went down into the canyon called Dark Creek. Mitrice's family says that police told them to avoid the area, to not contaminate it. I wonder why they told you guys that. I don't know. And, you know, thank goodness for reporters, I have to tell you, because there was a reporter, as we were passing out flyers, who told us basically to get our asses up to the canyon. Right. You, you know, and kind of told us, this is what you need to do. And, and you know, thank goodness for him, because we did, um, we, got, we didn't know exactly where we were going, but we kind of drove around the canyon. Um, and then I, you know, but we didn't, we still didn't know exactly where we were going. They had found footprints, um, and, and they really played me. You know, I was very naive back then. And so they told me that they, they had found footprints and that it looked like my troops was walking, and then she was running. And then, like, um, and where she was running, they were concerned that she may have jumped. And so they were. They, they didn't say this, but they intimated that, like, like if they were going to fight, if like as if it was suicide, and so we wouldn't want to be, we wouldn't want to find that. 
Mitrice's friends and family also questioned the police's decision to start the search in Montanito, rather than at the Lost Hill Sheriff Station. If the searcher dogs had been deployed near the station, they wondered, could they have figured out if Mitrice got into a vehicle? They used dogs, but they, they only used them from, where did they start from? Do they start from Bill Smith's house or do they start from the station? So they did not start from the station at all. And they started, I mean, I guess we, we would have to believe that they started in Montanito. Because remember, we weren't allowed to be there when that was happening. Right. So whether they were at, I, I believe that they were in Bill Smith's area and in the houses in that area because some of the neighbors have told me that they, you know, that they saw, you know, the police out there on that day. That search only lasted four or five hours, though. And then they were out. It was supposed to be a two-day, all-day search. Right. But it literally was four hours, and that was it. Rhonda said that when she was told by police that they were calling off the search at 4.30 Saturday afternoon, she was shocked and angry. In the week after Mitrice went missing, friends and family began flooding into the area around Lost Hills and Montanito, and posting flyers with photos of Matrice's face everywhere. There were several photos of Matrice on the flyer, and the contrast between the glamour shot with smooth hair and a dazzling smile, and the one of her police mugshot is stark. In the second photo, Matrice has a faint smile on her face, but she has bags under her eyes. Chip Croft is a documentary filmmaker who lives in the area. It was, uh, I had moved to L.A. In, on September 1st, 2009, and um, I was settling in, and it was about three weeks later that I was looking at the LA Times online, and I saw an article, uh, a picture actually of a young African-American woman holding a sign saying, find my trees, and she was in Malibu, obviously along the highway, and they were, um, it was during the, one, I think the first Saturday after my trees went missing. Chip was unsettled by the sheriff's cavalier attitude toward Mitrice's disappearance. When this, when I saw this article, it just didn't ring true to me that she went missing with, you know, no phone, no, no nothing, no car, no way home, no money or anything. And so uh, I immediately felt this was based on, you know, possibly a racist situation, and I think still think it is, and I think she was considered to be an expendable young black woman from South L.A. that they probably might not even miss or people wouldn't care about so much, but it turned out not to be the case. So anyway, so I, um, there was an email address in the article uh, for Rhonda, and I emailed Rhonda about the, um, uh, about the case, and she said that uh, they were having a press conference coming up in the following week uh, at the sheriff's headquarters. And I said, well, okay, I'll come by and maybe I can meet you all and I'll bring my camera. This is my daughter, my Tracy Richardson. Chip headed to the Lost Hills Sheriff's Department and recorded Latisse as she made a passionate plea to police to search harder for Matrice. They failed her. She is suffering somewhere because we believe she is still alive. But they're not doing enough to search for her. We are suffering every day, not knowing what to do to find my daughter. They know this area. They have the means to daily search for her. I believe they have an obligation and a duty to continue to find, look for her until they rescue her. 
She can be hurt somewhere. My understanding, the last place she was seen was in a community off of Pi Piuma? Piruma by the Saddleback Lodge, which is very steep, very terraneous, very seclusive. Someone heard voices, no, not voices, a voice of a woman talking to herself in a vacant house. And apparently there's many vacant houses in that area. The community has been unaware until they got wind of our efforts, not the sheriff's department's efforts, but our efforts, putting flyers out there, making contact with the neighborhood, just really trying to find my daughter. They knew none of this from the police department and the community is outraged. Chip and Rhonda started canvassing the neighbors in Montanito themselves and followed every lead they could find. And most of the neighbors in Montanito were very cooperative and wanted to help us. And, um, you know, there didn't seem to be any, you know, racism involved or anything. They were all, <clears throat> excuse me, quite helpful. Um, and, they, they, you know, they, they didn't know, uh, the sheriffs had claimed they'd gone around and knocked on everybody's door and questioned everybody. And we could barely find anybody that the sheriffs had ever knocked, knocked on anybody's door or questioned. Chip heard a number of theories. One neighbor told Chip that they heard a scream at around 11 p.m. the following Tuesday after Mitrice went missing. The neighbor didn't even know that there was a missing person at that point and never figured out the source of the scream. Chip talked to another neighbor as well, who said they discovered what appeared to be a shallow grave on a neighbor's property. We had the sheriffs come and investigate that. It, it was a... Uh like a sand pit, but it, there was a lot of rains in October and the sand pit had, had, had sunk as if it, somebody had dug in there and, and, and or had removed something out of there and it had sunk and there was some debris that she noticed. She walked by there every day and she noticed some had, things had been moved and tampered in, in that sand pit area. So that, that whole thing was very suspicious. Chip and the sheriffs went to check out the property with the shallow grave and said that the owner of the home screamed at the sheriff to get off her property. Since she lived in South L.A. when she went missing, Mitrice's case was given to the LAPD's missing persons unit. Then, the case was reassigned again, this time to the LAPD's Robbery Homicide Division. Officials said this was because the Robbery Homicide Division had more resources. But a lot of people over the years have commented that this move was one of many that made it seem like Lost Hills wanted to get rid of this case as fast as they could. Don't forget, the Los Angeles Police Department is involved in this as well. It is their investigation, in fact, because she, her residence is Los Angeles. But that's a, a kind of a technical thing because everybody's looking for it. The Los Angeles Police Department has two detectives that are just, they're assigned to this case. This is what they're doing. This is Steve Whitmore, a community information officer for the LASD, being interviewed in early October 2009 three weeks after Mitrice went missing. There's been three massive searches. Uh, the Saturday immediately following the disappearance. Then the next Saturday, where there was 200 people. Now this is by air, this is by foot, and what is known as door knocks, where that 14 square mile of houses, doors were each one. And if the house was empty, we would contact the owner 
and that we would go in and search those facilities with their permission. But it's important to note that we do not believe this to be a any wrongdoing involved here at all. Why this is a missing that? person. Well, I, I would refer you to the Los Angeles Police Department on that. that yes, and but they have publicly said they do not believe this to be have anything to do with wrongdoing. That this is a missing person, and what the LA County Sheriff's Department is trying to do every day is to find this young 24-year-old woman. Four months after Mytrice went missing, on January 9th, 2010, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department conducted a massive search. Numbers, I'm not sure, just because it's been changing every day. There's probably about 50 horses. Uh, there's about 40 to 50 dogs that are going to be out here as well. Um, we have Air Rescue 5 coming in, which is our, our uh, rescue helicopter. It involved hundreds of volunteers covering an 18-square-mile area. They used drones to conduct air searches. They did ground searches of creeks, trails, and ridges. But no trace of my trees was found. The plan is to put people really deep into the hills. A lot of the areas have been checked already, but we're going to really saturate. So Malibu Canyon will have people literally getting airlifted down into the canyon, dropping people all the way along the canyon. It's going to be a very slow, methodical search. And Rhonda was shocked to discover that even though the police were doing massive searches, they had not actually searched the area right next to Montanito. And so they showed us this big map of the area that they were going to search. And so we were saying, wait a minute, why are you, if you're using all these phones and all these people, why are you not searching Montanito? And in particular, the creek bed, because at that point we learned about it. And then Tui, Tui Wright told us... Tui Wright was one of the officers working on the case. Tui Wright told us, well, we're eventually going to cover 100% of that area, but we're not going to do that now. And I was like, Tui, I have read that when you're searching for a missing person, they're more likely to be found within the three-mile radius of where they were last seen. So why not start in Montanito and work your way out? Tashaka worked with Rhonda, Chip, and Latisse to search the area in the woods, right next to Montanito. That's pretty much what got us into the uh, into the old uh, uh, riverbed that was down there and how we started to hike in uh, to that area. I think it was over a span of three separate times that we really got in there. And I remember that hike because we were going in and it started to get dark. <laughs> so I was worried about wildlife. And so we yeah. ended up coming back. Uh, there was uh, some folks who would stop by at the command center and would give these different stories that, of course, interested our guys a lot. Um, and, and it was just very bizarre for the neighborhood. And I guess uh, that she wasn't the only one who had kind of went missing and where things had happened to other uh, females in that area, um, which made it even more concerning. So and just the things that we found along the way, like we uh, found... I mean, it could be kids playing and doing other crazy, naughty things there, but we have found underwear, bras, and things like that. Um, there uh, did not belong to her at all, but uh, these are just some of the items that we found. The searchers did find some things that struck them as odd. This included a newly painted graffiti mural on a culvert in the canyon. Of approximately 13 African-American women with afros who were nude and um, in very graphic, uh, sexually uh, provocative um, positions. Rhonda said that she was spooked by the fact that the mural portrayed a woman with the same hairstyle as Mitrice and said, L.A. As a psychologist, there are certain images within that mural that are um, 
quite telling. Um, very often people who have some type of uh, psychopathology will draw images with big eyes. And there were two images that had really big eyes, and one of them appeared to Police be, said that they got into contact with the young people who painted the mural. They said that the taggers were fans of the pop artist Keith Haring and had nothing to do with my trees or the case. Okay, 52, 746. Yeah, we're actually here near the trailer. In late June, nine months after my trees went missing, a search team with the help of REACT located a trailer that had been seen around the area. It had a no trespassing sign in the window. So, I mean, it doesn't say no solicitation, so I mean, go ahead. So if you ask you to leave. They also determined that the culvert where the graffiti was tagged dropped down a cliff and into some bushes. Yeah, but watch, it might drop off steeply. Be very careful. Yeah. yeah. So if you, kill, if you killed somebody here, you could drag them through and shove them out the other side, right? Yeah, into the bushes down there. Volunteers crawled inside with flashlights, but all they found at the bottom were a couple of spray cans. Tashaka and his team weren't giving up. They continued to search the Montanito area. And then there was hope. A high school friend of Mitrice's was in Las Vegas, and he swore that he saw her. At a news conference in Las Vegas, Los Angeles police captain Kevin McClure said they'd followed up on leads and conducted around 100 interviews in the area. We've located witnesses that are positive they've seen her. We've located all the way from uh, waitresses, bartenders, security officers, regular citizens. We have talked to more than 70 individuals who believe they have seen her. That's based on a photograph and some passage of time in most instances. But that volume causes us to believe we're on the right track. It's been 11 months since my trees went missing, and nothing. On August 9th, 2010, California State Park Rangers were inspecting parts of the Santa Monica Recreation Area for marijuana cultivation. They were deep in the woods of Dark Canyon, near the creek bed that's dried up in the summer months, scouting for irrigation lines, when they stumbled across scattered clothing and then human remains. Geico knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the exciting adventure of the daily commute to the peace of mind that Geico always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service and legendary customer service. But Pamela Mund had one reason in particular. My skin is extremely averse to most fabrics, except for the soft, buttery feeling of leather. Thankfully, I found my clan of leather lovers in the biking community. It's been life-changing. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Good afternoon. Would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie? Oh, sure. Mmm, that's very good. I'll just take one more, just to be sure. Yep, still very good. Some things never change, like never being able to take just one free sample. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Mmm, is that macadamia nut I taste? Let me take one more. Sir, mmm. I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Uh, Yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, giveth thou the berries. 
for 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. No, it's from Geico, because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Yeah, this is the pizza for sure. It's dry. My producer, Gabby, and I are hiking in the woods in what feels like the middle of nowhere. I guess the rainy time starts in like November and it floods, but then the rest of the time it's dry, like it is now, and like it was when my trees went missing. We started at the Backbone Trail in Malibu Creek State Park, but we're going off trail now following the creek bed. We first started up the Backbone Trail because we had sort of, a lot of people had told us that the spot was accessible from there, but we, and the Backbone Trail looked walkable. Like it looked like something that you could potentially, if you're on the road, turn down and walk down. Um, but once we got off of that into the creek bed and started heading toward the back of um, the house where the GPS coordinates start, um, it's really, it's very rocky. Um, I wouldn't say, I mean, look, we're both really out of breath, but we're very amateur hikers. We were able to do it. Um, so in no way dangerous, but it's also absolutely not something that you could do at night um, in the dark. The creek bed takes us to Dark Canyon. As we get further and further into the dense forest, the creek bed becomes more treacherous. Cliffs, rocks, poison oak, and overgrown ivy. And, uh, I've also, and I've gotten stung by everything down here. When we're almost to our destination, we see irrigation pipes. We're seeing the irrigation, we're seeing some sort of irrigation system, which could be the irrigation system that the guys from Malibu Search and Rescue found that day. On the day they found the remains, the ranger's job was to make sure that the marijuana growers had not come back. Then one of the searchers saw something among the leaves. A red leather strap, then a black bra partially covered with debris, and finally, a pair of blue jeans. Then the supervising ranger saw a human skull and a leg bone. The ranger could not get a signal on his cell phone, so he notified his dispatcher by radio. Tashaka just happened to be monitoring the radio that day. So part of what we do at LA County React is that we monitor police fire frequencies. So that day, I, I just remember, I don't even know why and how, but <laughs> I was I was working and I was listening and I just tuned into the radio call. Um, and so um, from knowing that they found something, said, we don't know what it is. It could be an animal, it could be this, you know. Tashaka called Rhonda and the family hustled to the edge of the canyon to wait for news. All of a sudden, I got a phone call from Tashaka Starwell from the REACT team. So he said, Rhonda, he sent me a message. Uh, remains have been found in that general area where my trees was. And he, it was the way that it was a partially, partially mummified skeletal remains. And it, they believe it's my trees. I called Latisse, canceled my day, canceled her day. We jumped in the car and we headed out there. They kept waiting. Tashaka went to the Lost Hills Sheriff's Department to get more information. He kept calling the Lost Hills Station to try and get updates. Then, in the meantime, Lauren called the detective saying, hey, we got word that there's remains found. Lauren is Latisse's sister, Mitrice's aunt. He's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, what are you talking about? And then, oh, well, there was just a couple of bones. It was a, we're like, well, no, we have word that it is partially mummified remains. So even then, and you guys don't need to come. Of course we headed out there. 
So it was right there. And so we just waited there forever. And they were trying to get us to go home. And we wouldn't go home. And they're like, well, nothing's going to happen until the morning. Well, we'll stay posted. Shit, I'll sleep in my car. I don't care. And so we wouldn't go. We wouldn't go. And so then it started getting, like, later. And I I just... So eventually we saw the helicopter. And then Tashaka, because he's very um, aware, he goes, I bet she's in there. But they airlifted her out, right? But they told us that she... They were going to do it in the morning, is what they told us. Like, well, we'll sit here till the morning then. It wasn't until the following day that it was officially confirmed that there were remains that were extracted from the middle of Dark Canyon in the creek bed and that they were Mitrice's. She was found partially mummified, naked, with her clothing several feet away from her. Where she was found, there's no way that she could get down there. I, I, I just, I could, I just remember uh, Bill Smith's home, and we're walking on a trail. There's a trail, and then the trail kind of ends itself. But if you kind of go through some rough terrain, you can kind of make it through to the ravine, which is on a cliffside. So, I mean, the way that it looks like her body was found. It was, if you look down on the side of a cliff, it's kind of like she had, was pushed her or was thrown over downside this cliffside into that ravine. I very seriously doubt that anything or something uh, put her deep down in that ravine. We've asked almost everyone this question, and it's hard to get a clear answer. Could Mitrice have gotten in there herself? Most of them say no. First, anyone who knows Mitrice says that she hated the woods. And second, where she was found is miles from any access point. So while the road and civilization border and interweave the state parks, one wrong turn and you could be lost deep in the woods. But why would Mitrice have kept walking? I just don't see her hiking that deep. And we checked all the ways into where she was found, and there was no way. I mean, it was rough for us. I mean, I remember climbing through water tubes, uh, sliding down. I'm sure you see some of like uh, to get down to the point where we absolutely could not go anywhere and anymore. And that was only due to uh, sunlight, and um, then getting back to where we needed originally started from. Um, it's just very, very, very. Uh, I mean, it's. We were men. I can't, we did walk, we did hike with the family. Family did hike with us. It was daylight, so it wasn't that difficult. But at night, there's no way I could see it at any type of state. The moonlight, because I I went out there one night, and I wanted to see, and we were right in front of Bill Smith's house, and I wanted to see what does it look like at night there. And the Mm -hmm. moonlight is the only light that you actually do see. But when you're down in the grove, uh, the the uh, the uh, not the grove, the ravine area, it's so shaded. It's shaded by the trees mm-hmm. that the moonlight, it just no justice. Doesn't help at all. Is it really plausible that Mitrice could have walked down here herself, hiked for hours through sharp thorns and trees, and climbed up boulders, and then for some reason decided to take her clothes off and keep walking into danger? When we went on our hike. It was nearly impossible to walk along the creek bed. 
It started out almost like a normal hike. I mean, it was a narrow trail. It was somewhat steep, but you could see, you could see houses. You could see um, the sides of the mountain. Um, it just felt like a normal hike. But once we got on the creek bed, it started to be just like we're climbing over giant boulders and under logs. It's it's and now, it's really impossible to get off of this trail because both sides we're down in a valley, and so each side going up is very steep. So there's really no way to climb out of here. You kind of have to just go forward or backward. I don't think that, I mean, we're gonna walk out toward the road and we're gonna see if there's any like obvious way she could have made it down here from the road the other way. But as of right now, if it continues like this, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say there's no way she walked here herself. I'm now more convinced that she did not walk here. Next time on Helen Gone, it is the confirmed remains of Mitrice Richardson. When we bury her, we're going to have to fight for exhumation. Yeah, this situation is, is really unfortunate and would have made it very difficult to determine the cause of death. This is not closed. This is still open, and that's what they're going to do. Now, if you object to that, that's your concern. I'm just asking you, is that proper? What do you think would be different in this circumstance? Everything about it is a screaming red flag. I, I don't think I've ever seen a case where that happened. I'm Katherine Townsend, and this is Helen Gone. Helen Gone is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. It's written and narrated by me, Katherine Townsend. Our producers are Gabby Watts, Taylor Church, and James Morrison. Music is by Ben Salee. Mix is by Tune Welders. Our executive producers are Brandon Barr, Elsie Crowley, and Brian Lavin. Special thanks to Chip Croft for use of footage from his documentary, Lost Compassion. School of Humans. Support for this podcast is from Williams. We make clean energy happen. Williams is the first North American midstream company to establish a climate commitment and an immediate approach to a sustainable future. We've released our 2020 sustainability report to track progress on our ESG goals, which includes a near-term emissions reduction target of 56% by 2030. We're leveraging our natural gas-focused strategy to fight climate change today and build a clean energy economy tomorrow. Our infrastructure and commitment are transforming the future of energy. Learn more at williams.com. The Real-Time Crime Podcast is for true fans of true crime. Join Leah Lamar and Teddy Mellencamp for an iHeartRadio original podcast dedicated to armchair detectives. Embark on a quest to unravel unsolved mysteries and delve into current criminal trials in real time. Why do I obsess over true crime? It's because I need to know every detail because they say that the devil's in the details. Listen to Real-Time Crime on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do airplanes fly? What's in this box? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Learn how to store your gun securely and make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council.